come together this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you, and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, 
We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's take a moment of silence and self-reflection. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful merciful God. God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake, He forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help, save, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. There is a little bit of uh, translation that is lost in not having anyone in, the, uh, in the, the church with me right now and not having our dear Liz play and, and so forth. So I pray for your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness for this. Let us now pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you sent your Son our Savior, Jesus Christ, to make upon himself our flesh and to suffer death upon the cross, mercifully grant that we may follow the example of his holy and great humility and patience and be made partakers of his resurrection. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, 
now and forever. Amen. And now our scripture readings. The first reading this morning is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 50, verses 4 through 9, and this can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1141. Isaiah 50, beginning with the fourth verse. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. I offered my back to those who beat me my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore have I set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. It is the sovereign Lord who helps me, who will, who will condemn me. They will all wear out like a garment. The moths will eat them up. Our next reading is in Psalm 31, verses 9 through 16. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and my body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak. Because of all my enemies, I am the utter contempt of my neighbors and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me I am forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. For I hear many whispering, terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. The epistle this morning is taken from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. And this can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1827. Philippians 2, beginning with the fifth verse. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, 
every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Return to the Lord, your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew from the 26th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel Reading this morning is taken from the book of St. Matthew, chapter 26, verses 1 through 27, and also verse 66. They can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1542. Matthew 26, 1 through 27, and 66. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, as you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. And then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas. And they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and to kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or there may be a riot among the people. Now, while Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. And when the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? They asked. The perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him thirty pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. And on the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? 
And he replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. And when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe, woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, You have said so. And while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, for we know that nothing good comes from any other source. I want to remind you of our epistle from Philippians Paul writes, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And he took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Philippians 2, 5 through 7. If I say the word in a sentence, he wore a crown, and crown is the operative word there, all of you will picture the object in your mind's eye. Now, when a member of my family celebrates his or her birthday, that person gets to wear a crown. And that person is the king or the queen for the entire day. And being the king or queen brings a lot of special privileges around the house with it. For example, 
the king or the queen gets to be first everywhere and in everything that we do during that one day, their day, each year. The king or queen for the day also gets to do special things, which means anything they want goes. It is really a good feeling to be the king or queen for the day because all of the other family members celebrate you all day long. All day long, they do for you. And we all look forward to the day when we get to wear that crown. Let me ask you this. Would you like to be a king or a queen in real life? A king or a queen, usually they live in a palace and and they got lots of money, silver and gold and, and even jewels. They are surrounded by servants, and in today's, they're surrounded by paparazzi. The servants get them anything they want. Everyone looks up to them and admires them. Would you like to be treated like a king or a queen every day? Today we remember a king. This king took off his crown and he gave up his throne to become a servant. And we know that king is Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus put aside his godly nature and he came to earth to become a servant. And when Jesus was on earth, he spent his entire life in service to others. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He was a friend to those who were without friends, the friendless. Jesus never lived in a palace. He had no money, no silver or gold, no jewels. In fact, the only crown that Jesus ever wore while on this earth was a crown made out of thorns. Now, if I were to ask you if you want to be like Jesus, most would probably say yes. But that isn't the question this morning. The question today is, Would you rather be a servant or a king? Jesus chose to be a servant to you and to me. I'm going to take us back to Romans 5, 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Jesus, Jesus the Christ, died for the ungodly. And we know that one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God, Abba, our Father in heaven, shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want to take us to our scripture this morning, the gospel, in which we see the Lord's Supper. And I'm going to 
proclaim this to you right now, that the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper is the gospel. We know that, after all, the Lord's Supper is all about how the Lamb of God, Jesus, who takes away the sin of the world, gives away the forgiveness and salvation that he won and achieved on the cross to his sinners. Now, how in the world does he do that? And the answer is through his word. He preaches. He speaks. What he says, he does. He promises, and what he promises, he gives. You can, you can verify this. Go ahead and check it out. In the Gospel of Matthew today, 26, verses 26 through 28, and it is also written in Mark chapter 14, 20 through, 22 through 24, and yet again, it is written in Luke 22, 19 through 20, and once again, in a letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 25. We know that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lamb of God, Jesus, preaches a Passover sermon that had never been preached before. He does what he does. He, he gives what he gives because he is God, the God-man. There is no other God than this man, Jesus. His mouth is God's mouth. His words are God's words. His sermon is a divine promise by which he gives his last will and testament. Yes, that's right. His last will and testament. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he draws up his last will and testament. He would do that? Of course he did. And he does it for you. The Lamb of God, Jesus, is the Monday, Thursday testator who anticipates his Good Friday death. This is what he does. He identifies the estate that he leaves behind and he names heirs to that estate. And incredibly, the heirs, they're you. They're you. His sinners are the beneficiaries. You his sinners, his sinners are given the inheritance, the very salvation achieved for you on that cross. He gives to you the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is gospel. Now, many would object to this, and some really still do object. They'd say, seriously? He's got to be out of his mind. That's nuts. That's wacko. That's cuckoo. A few cards short of a full deck. Does the elevator go up to the top floor? 
Doesn't he see what's happening and who these men are that are around the table in this last supper? Good grief, one could say. Look around the Passover table. Well, let's do that. We see James and we see John. And they always want to be the big shot bosses. And all the rest of the 12, they resent them. They, they constantly bicker. They fight amongst themselves. Who is the greatest? Iscariot is an embezzling, good-for-nothing thief. And in addition, he's going to commit one of the most outrageous and notorious, awful betrayals in the history of the world with a kiss. and a little bit of cash. We know that Peter and James and John won't keep watch because they're tired and they take a snooze. In fact, they are snoozing soundly at Gethsemane. And Peter says this, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. That bravado quickly turns into a profanity-laced which I can't recreate for you, but he says, liar, liar, pants on fire. I do not know this man. I've never even seen this Jesus, he says. I don't know him at all. Total denial. And he does this not just once, but three times. And we know that three strikes and you're out but not with Jesus. Even though he is surrounded by hardcore sinners, he is of a sound mind. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's in charge. He determines the place to celebrate the Passover meal. He's taking care of every detail. In fact, he unmasks his betrayer, and he pronounces divine judgment on him ahead of time. The Lamb of God, testator Jesus. He speaks of bequeaths his will in that upper room. Let me explain. He says, eat this bread. It is my body. I give it for you. He says, drink this wine, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you and for the forgiveness of sins. The estate that he leaves us is this. It's the forgiveness of sins for his sinners. The Lord's Supper truly is gospel. Now, his good Friday body and his good Friday blood are given with the bread and the wine because he says so. And you, like those notorious sinners that are around the table, you are named as heirs. You are given to receive the internal inheritance, his 
Inheritance is for you and for me. The testator, Jesus, promises that his body and blood are given and shed for you. And he promises that all of your sin is forgiven. Name a sin. Name one of your sins. He guarantees it's forgiven. You could ask, what about the ones that I can't even remember, Pastor, and I didn't even know I did? Forgiven. What about the sin that, that I don't want to do but ended up doing? Or how about the sin that deserves God's temporal and eternal punishment? All forgiven. Totally absolved. Like all wills, this one on the night that Jesus was betrayed, when it is read out loud, and every Sunday in this church, well... When it is read out loud, it is contested as well, even bitterly by some. Some flat out reject it. They say, body? Blood? How primitive. Is this some sort of a religious cult thing? What are you talking about, you, you Lutherans? You Christians? Give me a break. And forgiveness? Some might even say, I don't need it. I'm not even a sinner. Others like Satan, death, and the world will be indignant. They'll be horrified at what we do. They will get in your grill if you espouse the Lord's Supper as a means of grace, forgiveness, salvation. They will get in your grill and they will accuse you. They will try to bind and condemn you for your sin. They'll say, look at you, they scream. You call yourself a Christian? Really? You're no better than Iscariot. You're just like Peter. In fact, you're worse. You've got betraying and denying Jesus down pat. According to all decency as well as all law and order, you've excluded yourself from Jesus. You've excluded yourself from his last will and testament. They will say you are a betrayer. Doesn't Satan do that? Doesn't that liar voice in you say, yeah, that's for everybody but you? He'll call you a denier. He'll call you sinful and unclean and unworthy. And what will you do in light of these accusations against you? What can you say? Well, here's what you do. You step up to the plate of truth. You produce the evidence. You give them the goods because they've caught you red-handed. You confess. Yeah, this is what you say. You say, you're exactly right. Truly, I am Christ's betrayer. I am a denier. I am a sinner. In fact, I even colluded in his death. I gave him up. I ran from him. I even helped spit in his face. I pounded the spikes into his hands and into his feet. I'm not denying it. I'm not denying any bit of it. But you hear me. 
He died for me. And he names me, me, the sinner, in his last will and testament. He promises that his estate belongs to me. I will do as he commands. I will eat and drink. I believe his promises. He is the Lamb of God. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He takes even my sin away. Yes, the Lamb of God, Jesus, gives us his estate. The forgiveness of sins in the sacrament to those who needed it. And we know that only the sick need a physician. So we know this after that Monday, Thursday. The next day, Good Friday, that Jesus goes to his death. He's crucified. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that's when his last will and testament goes into effect, probated. He says, so every time you hear the words of institution in the divine service, it is the public proclamation and reading of his will, just as he intended in that upper room. And with the promise of forgiveness of sin, the Lamb of God, Jesus, bestows the whole inheritance, you could say the whole enchilada of his kingdom on you. That salvation, the salvation won for you in his dying on the cross, that salvation that Luther called the glorious exchange your sin, my sin, for his glory, for his righteousness. Indeed, that's quite an inheritance. And again I say, the Lord's Supper, it is gospel. In the name of Jesus, amen. At this time, we have our hymn of the day. And I hope you enjoy it. Waymaker. 
Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Let us now profess our faith together with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Before we pray, an analogy or a thought, I was thinking about the condition of our nation and the storm we're in. And as someone who's been at sea a few times in in violent storms, I can tell you a professional mariner when faced with with a bad storm at sea 
will turn the ship into the wind and into the storm and fight its way through. It's similar to the apostles in the boat with Jesus. They were afraid for their lives and Jesus slept, but he saved them. Well, our nation is on a ship and it's in a storm and we're scared to death too. And we have a helmsman that's steering the ship and that's our president. But the person we trust is always the captain. And the captain of our ship is God Almighty. God Almighty is setting the speed and the direction. And we're going to get through the storm, thanks to God. So don't be afraid. As a family in Jesus Christ, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all of our blessings that we so often have taken for granted. We often give you thanks for our living standards in the United States and our prayers, but rarely wonder what life would be like without the blessings you have provided. As the COVID-19 virus spreads around the world, sickening and often killing your people, we are witnessing the loss of many blessings we have enjoyed, including our very freedoms of movement, availability of unlimited food supplies, homes and shelters, and educational opportunities. We are realizing that many of these blessings are unknown throughout much of the world, but now we are realizing how much you have given us. The wealth we so often worship without realizing it is being taken away faster than we could imagine. Instead of worshiping you, we spend our time worshiping recreation activities, generating financial income, or just relaxing without a thought to your grace. Pride, greed for power, and greed that leads to hoarding of food and other supplies, including medical supplies, has clearly shown the sin of mankind and the chaos that ensues when Satan influences our actions more than your word. We are so sorry, Holy Father, Almighty God, for failing to recognize your providence your creative and omnipotent nature, your saving grace, and for failing to place you as our highest priority in all things. The lessons you teach your children are hard and can last a very long time by our measure. Your holy scripture is full of such lessons you provided your chosen people, the Israelites. We plead for your mercy that we learn the lessons you teach quickly and that you save us from this time of trial. Please vanquish this virus from the earth and heal those who are afflicted wherever they may be. We beg for a miracle, dear God and Father Almighty. We pray for our fellow citizens and family who may face the prospect of lost jobs, their income, their health, and maybe their homes. You know that many people around the earth are in despair because of the virus that continues to spread and kill on every continent and country. Many families and children who struggled with starvation before the virus outbreak are now destitute. Please save us, Father, so we may continue to help those truly in need. We thank you for our form of government and our leaders. We pray that you would sustain our nation as the beacon of freedom we strive to be. We pray for our president, vice president, 
and the members of the various task forces that have been assembled to provide wisdom and counsel to our president. We pray for our elected representatives that they would place the safety and security of our citizens above their personal greed for power and divisiveness. We pray that you would illuminate the foolishness and self-centeredness of those politicians who only seek to destroy and spew hatred rather than work as one to protect our country. We pray for an end to the fear-mongering and lies in our news media. Rather than reporting facts, they seek to foster division, hate, and panic among our citizens. Dear God Almighty, please bring shame and silence to those whose only purpose is to foster chaos, worry, and despair. Only you, Father, have the power to silence Satan and his agents and strip his power from amongst us. We pray for the safety of our military, police, firefighters, and medical professionals who face danger every day. Please shield all of them from harm, and if the virus manages to infect any of them, we pray that you would bring rapid healing without delay. We give you thanks, dear Lord, for guiding engineers and scientists who have developed the technology we employ today to communicate and support each other through social media and remote learning. Help us to use the wonders of today, tech, today's technology wisely to help and support each other and to work worldwide to discover cures to diseases, including this coronavirus, and to discover and develop treatments to save lives in every country on every continent. We pray for the faithful of Reformation Lutheran Church and Victory Outreach. Shield us from harm and help us to serve one another. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of a sense of humor. More than ever, we need to laugh in the face of misery, knowing that you are with us and keep moving forward. Thank you for the gift of laughter. Please, Holy Spirit, give us thankful hearts and minds as we enter Holy Week. Let us trust in God as never before and know that he loves us even when we disobey his commands and forget that he is in charge, not us. Let us love the gift of his son, Jesus, as never before. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you. At this time, we would be sharing the peace throughout the sanctuary. I invite you to share the peace with those, your loved ones you happen to be with right now, and to all who are worshiping with us today. Let us pray our offertory prayer. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness, you have blessed us with these gifts. With them, we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 
Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord. You bid your people to cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast. Renew our zeal in faith and life and bring us to the fullness of grace that belongs to the children of God. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and we join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples saying, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We have had the blessing to be uh, participating with brothers and sisters in Christ from all over the world. In fact, it has been told to me that we have 
some, a family in Brazil that is worshiping with us. We have uh, brothers and sisters in Pakistan. And um, we thank you and we join you in uh, praising our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, on this day and every day. And we'll keep you in our prayers that he will sustain you. And now, the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our closing song is Hosanna in the highest. May God continue to bless you.